0: Clancy Pasta presents, I kept digging and digging and digging, written by N.S. Lewis and narrated by Clancy. At first, it was easy to lie, both to my wife and to myself. She worked later than I did, and came home one evening two weeks ago to find me in the backyard throwing a shovelful of dirt over my shoulder. There was a hole, about two feet deep by about four feet in diameter, in front of me. "'Hi,' said Mary, sliding open the glass door from the kitchen. "'What you doing out here, honey?' I stuck the shovel in the ground, leaned on it, and wiped some sweat from my forehead. "'It's a surprise,' I said. She laughed. "'You know how creepy that sounds, right? You're not planning on murdering your pregnant wife, are you? Is that the surprise?' I smiled. The whole point of a surprise is that you're not supposed to know what it is until it's time. I picked up the shovel and started digging again. Could you turn on the outside light for me, honey? Dinner? She asked. Not hungry, I said, tossing back another bit of dirt. Sheesh. Alright, have fun digging your hole. She went back in and flipped on the light for me. I kept digging. By the end of the first night, it was three feet deep and seven feet in diameter. I stood there, exhausted, looking at it. I pictured a little girl. I was hoping for a girl. Splashing around in a swimming pool and smiled. My wife was going to be so surprised and happy when she finally figured out what I was doing. By the third night, I had only gone down about another three feet and extended out another seven feet in diameter. The hole was expanding at a much slower rate now. I had to begin to walk each shovelful a ways up a ladder in order to heave it over the ridge of dirt that circled the hole. Not good, I thought, surveying the night's work. Gonna have to take tomorrow off if I want to get this done. In the morning, I was up early, digging away. Mary slid open the door. Honey? What are you doing? I climbed up the ladder a step or two so that I could see her. What's it look like I'm doing? I said, smiling. Digging. You're not going into work today? You're going to stay home digging? That's right, I said. Gonna stay home digging. You know, the money I'm saving doing this by hand, instead of hiring some guy to come with an excavator, figure I can afford to take a day off. To do what? said my wife, amused. What are you doing exactly? I frowned. You haven't guessed yet? Well, I'd say you're past the six-foot mark, so I'm relieved to see it's not a grave at least. It's a swimming pool, Mary. Anybody can see that. Oh, she said. Then her face lit up. Oh, cool! But yes aren't underground pools usually you know rectangular not all of them I said suddenly bored with the conversation not by a long shot welp better get back to it damn thing isn't going to dig itself alright said Mary uh have fun and thanks That's really cool. I'm excited now. You bet, I said, descending the ladder. I dug all day, and by the end of it, I was filthy and exhausted. But I felt good. I was making progress. I had made it down another four feet and had expanded outward another six. I was getting there. When Mary got home, I was still out there, staring into the hole. Holy shit! She said, that's a big hole. Yep, I said. Isn't that, that's pretty deep. Isn't that a little deep for a swimming pool? Especially one that a child is going to use? Oh, I said, scowling. Didn't know you had your PhD in swimming pools. I you went to law school, my bad. Jesus, honey, I'm not trying to give you a hard time. I just thought swimming pools weren't that deep. But what do I know? I guess you need room for the concrete. Of course you need room for the concrete, I said, Grinding up now. Can't just pour water directly into a dirt hole. You do that, and all you got is a mud puddle. Sure, said Mary. Why don't you go take a shower and I'll order a pizza? Nah, I said. "'Gonna keep working for a while. "'You're going to... "'All right,' said Mary, frowning. "'Have fun.' "'That got me a little pissed, I'll admit. "'Here I was, working my ass off "'so that the family could have a nice swimming pool, "'and what did I get for it? "'Attitude.' "'I looked at the hole again. "'It did look a little deep to be a swimming pool,' I admitted that much to myself, but you needed room for the concrete, and there were pumps and whatnot, and drains of some kind. I climbed back down the hole, ignoring that distant voice in my head whispering that I had no idea how to make a swimming pool. In the morning, I knew that Mary would give me shit if she knew that I was going to take work off again, so I shaved and got dressed like I was going into the office. We ate breakfast together and looked out the sliding glass door at the mountain of dirt piled around the hole. Thank you so much for digging that hole, honey, said Mary. What a great idea. And I can't believe that you actually did it yourself, by hand. That's awesome. She patted her pregnant belly. We're so lucky to have you. I smiled. It's fun, you know. I'm really enjoying myself. That's great, honey. We finished up breakfast, and then I got in my car, drove around the neighborhood for an hour, and finally circled back around to my house when I was sure that Mary would be gone. That day, I focused on digging deeper without expanding the diameter of the hole. I made it another three feet, and I knew that I was done. It was now 13 feet deep and 20 feet in diameter. I climbed out of the hole over the mountain of dirt and looked down into it, feeling accomplished. It was going to be an extra deep pool, yes, but maybe I'd put a high dive board there for when my child was older. I went inside, showered up, and when I went out and started in on the second hole, I knew that something was very wrong. Things went bad after that. At first, I told Mary that the second hole was a kiddie pool, that we would convert to a hot tub once the kid was old enough for the big pool. Just makes sense to do them both at once, I said. But that stopped working once I was six feet down on that one. Finally, I broke down sobbing in Mary's arms. I don't know why I'm doing this, I said. I can't stop it. Of course you can, not honey, just... Stop digging. I pulled away from her and picked up my shovel. Do it, said a terrible voice in my head. One good smack. The hole's already dug. You can start again in a different location. It's okay. Thank God I resisted that voice. Listen, Mary, I said. You have to go. It's not safe for you here. What? Just go stay at a hotel until this is over. I don't know what else to tell you. You're scaring me, said Mary. Good, I said. The urge to hit her was still there, but I forced myself back into the hole. Once I started digging again, I forgot all about her. Mary did end up going somewhere, maybe a hotel, maybe somewhere else. She called me about a dozen times. I never picked up, and now she stopped. I knew that I was ruining my life, but I couldn't stop digging. I ended up digging six holes in total, the big one in the middle, then five smaller ones arranged in a circle outside of the big one. This morning I woke up, and for the first time in two weeks, I didn't feel an overwhelming urge to dig. The relief was so tremendous that I cried. I hadn't even realized that feeling of intense pressure on me recently. It all felt automatic. Dig, dig, dig. Boy, you got your work cut out for you with Mary, I thought. And I did. But I felt hopeful. We would work things out. I would promise to go in for psychiatric evaluation, I would beg and cry earnest tears... I would do anything. I'd promise never to touch a goddamn shovel again. I went down to the kitchen and looked out the glass door at my backyard. My mouth dropped open as I saw that all of the holes had been filled in, and where just last night there were six big holes, there were now six patches of dirt. I slid the door open and stepped outside. I walked around the circles on the few spots of grass that remained in my yard. Something told me that I couldn't step on that dirt. Something told me that I couldn't let anybody step on that dirt. I thought I felt a vibration in the ground, so I bent down and put my ear to the grass. I swear that I heard a faint, steady buzzing sound. I checked a few different spots around the yard and heard it there too. I have no idea what's happening. Who filled in those holes? Why the hell was I digging them in the first place? I thought about calling Mary, but I don't think I'm ready yet. I keep thinking back to that last evening with her, when I had come an inch away from bashing her head in. It's frightening. Has this happened to anybody else? Maybe not this exact thing, but something like it. Compulsion to dig holes. A buzzing sound coming from the ground. Anything? I see something out there now, poking up out of the dirt, swaying back and forth. I didn't notice it at first, because it's near the same color as the dirt, and it's pretty small. It looks like a worm, or maybe a tail? Not a finger. It couldn't be a finger. Is it a dead seedling blowing around in the breeze? I don't know. There are some binoculars somewhere in the house, but I can't find them just now. Mary would know where they are, but I can't call her. Not yet. I just want this whole thing to be over with. I want there to be some rational explanation that I can give to Mary. So I'm going out there. I'll write again when I get back, but I want to get this out there right now, because I'm sick of being in the dark and need answers ASAP. Part 2 For a week and a half, I spent my free time trying to figure out what was wrong with my husband and what to do about it. I posted on dozens of online forums, desperately hoping for answers. My husband is succumbing to a strange compulsion to dig deep holes in her backyard. Does anybody know what this could indicate? For the most part, I receive no response. Occasionally, some troll would offer up something like, Ah, this is a classic case of you marrying a golden retriever. And you know what? One desperate night, when I was unable to sleep, my eyes snapped open at 2am, and I wondered... Is Robert turning into a dog? One day I called my mother, though I knew that was a mistake, since she had had it out for Robert since day one. I told her what was going on, and without hesitation, she demanded that I cut him loose. I will not have a man like that, and it's charitable to call him a man around my grandchild. I'm calling the police right now, You can't kick you out of your own house, you're the one paying the bulk of the mortgage. I talked her down, but a part of me, the part of me that I share irrevocably with my mother, thought that a swift divorce might be the solution, at least for me. After all, I had to look after my own health and the health of the life growing inside of me. Finally, I talked it over with my friend Trish, who is a therapist. "'It's stress,' she said. "'You stress about the baby. I've seen this happen before.' one guy as his brother was in the hospital dying of cancer he couldn't stop chopping down trees he would take an axe go into the woods behind his house and just start chopping away when the tree fell he just left it there and moved on to the next one he lost his job his family everything he couldn't stop anyway she went on you need to get him to see somebody right away I'll get you a referral right now. All you need to do is get him in. He got better? I asked. The man who cut down all of those trees. Trish looked down at her shoes. Just get Robert in to see Dr. Field, Mary. Right away. What happened to the man, Trish? She looked up at me. He slaughtered his family... Then drove an axe through the center of his own skull. I pulled into our driveway, taking a deep breath as I clutched my purse. I had a tentative divorce agreement in there, right next to a can of mace and a card with Dr. Field's number on it. I was as ready as I could be, though I still didn't feel very ready. I got out, walked past Robert's car, and tried the front door. was unlocked, so I swung it open. Robert? I called. No reply. I looked over to the kitchen table, where Robert's laptop sat open, next to a can of Coke. Robert? I tried again, louder, but I had a pretty good idea of where he would be. Out back, digging more holes. I went over to the glass door in the kitchen and looked out. I stood there, perplexed for a moment, seeing that Robert, or so I thought, had filled all of the holes back in with dirt. I had a view of the entire yard, but I couldn't see my husband anywhere. I slid the door open. Robert? I didn't hear anything but my own voice. No birds, no insects, nothing. I shuddered. And reached into my purse, wrapping my hand around the can of mace. I was so tense that when my phone buzzed from my purse, I jerked back, banging my elbow on the door behind me. I said something unsavory, then let go of the mace and felt around for my phone. I pulled it out and looked at the notification. User, it's out there, is requesting a chat. It was from one of the forums where I had posted my question about the digging. I dropped the phone back in my purse and tried again. Robert? He wasn't out there. I went back in the house, closing the door behind me, and went through every room, even checking the closets. He wasn't out back, and he wasn't anywhere in the house, and his car was there in the driveway. I went back into the kitchen and brought his laptop out of sleep mode. There on the screen was the post that Robert had made to r no nosleep a couple of days ago. I read through it, my terror mounting as I got to the part about how he had almost bashed my head in with a shovel and thrown me in a hole. I finished reading and sat there in shock for a moment, staring out at the patches of dirt in the backyard. He wrote this, went outside to see what was sticking out of the dirt, and now he's gone. I pressed my forehead against the glass of the door, not daring to open it, and strained to see something there. There was nothing but dirt. Then my phone buzzed again, causing my heart to jump up into my throat. I yanked it out of my purse and looked at it. New message from user It's Out There. It was from a different form now. I tapped on the notification and read the message. As your husband dug six holes, one giant one in the center, circled by five smaller ones. With a trembling finger, I typed my reply. Yes. Are the holes now filled back in? Yes. If you are still near the holes, You need to leave immediately. Contact me once you are many miles away. I didn't need any further convincing. I dropped the phone in my purse without replying and hurried out of the house. I got in my car, drove a ways down the street, and slowed down for a stop sign. I was going to roll right through it and made a quick check behind me in the mirror. When I did, I saw a white SUV whip into my driveway and I slammed on the brakes. I sat there for a panicked moment. Maybe Robert is in that car, I thought. I watched as two men, both dressed in blue jeans and white t-shirts and wearing sunglasses, got out of the SUV. Robert wasn't with them. The car pulled up behind me and honked. I waved it past. One of the men at my house turned at the sound of the horn and stared in my direction. He said something to the other man, and then they were both looking at me. I stepped on the gas. I sat down at a table at McDonald's about two hours away from my house. I took a sip of Diet Coke and then started typing. What is this? Who are you? I got an immediate reply. Do you have Signal? If not, download it and give me your contact info. I already had the app on my phone, as I used it for work a lot. I gave the mystery person my contact info, and got another immediate message, now through Signal. You live near Taos, New Mexico, right? I do, I typed. Now, will you please tell me what is happening? Is your husband with you? No. He saw something in the dirt and went out to look, and now I don't know where he is. Do you know what happened to him? Is he okay? This time, the response wasn't immediate. I waited breathlessly. Finally, the message popped up. I don't think he's okay. I think they got him. I'm so sorry. What? Who? Who got him? Three minutes later, the response appeared. It said, aliens. We met a few hours later. I can't say where. He told me the whole story. It took a long time for it to sink in. It doesn't seem real. Like, it has to be a hoax. But Robert... I was there. I saw that insane look in his eyes when he was just about to kill me. I watched him dig those fucking holes. I read his story. I know that he's gone now. Not his body, but him. We have a lot to do in the coming days. But Maxwell, not his real name has agreed to post on here, still under my husband's username, what he told me, soon. I couldn't do it justice. Honestly, my mind sort of shut down several times while he was telling me, and it's all a jumbled mess of horror that I don't want to untangle just at the moment. I keep thinking about how much Robert loved me, in order to resist that urge to smash my head with a shovel and bury me in a hole. By then... The spores were deep in his brain. Maxwell has told me that the amount of willpower required to spare my life must have been almost superhuman. Maxwell calls it willpower, but really, it was love. And there was nothing superhuman about it. Today, I'm going to grieve for my husband. I'm giving myself the rest of the day to grieve. Then I will do what I have to do. Part 3 Finale Hey everybody, Maxwell here. I hope that you have been enjoying the story so far. You came here to find out what I told Mary about the aliens. To be clear, I explained right away that I wasn't sure if they were actual extraterrestrials or not. It's just that they were unlike anything I had ever seen before. And well, if it looks like an alien and eats your brain like an alien... And it's probably an alien. I told her about how, three years ago, I worked as part of an international alliance, tracking space debris falling to the Earth. Not just meteorites and that kind of thing, but chunks of satellites that we had sent out there to orbit the Earth. Shit happens. It's one of the laws of thermodynamics, and an unbelievable amount of the shit that happens up there falls down to the Earth. Not all at once in a big mass, but... Little by little. In fact, despite having an enormous, internationally coordinated team, we probably miss about half of the shit that falls down in any given year. This is no big secret. You can Google it. Anyway, the reason I told Mary that I thought they were aliens was that the incident happened to coincide with the appearance of a rather anomalous piece of space debris in the vicinity. It wasn't very large or anything like that, but man, did it have some strange properties. As in, three days after it landed outside of a small town in Minnesota, it was still glowing red, though not from heat. In fact, I told her as she listened with wide eyes, one just like it landed right outside of Taos about three weeks ago, which is how I guess that you live there. But back to the one in Minnesota. It was so unusual that rather than bring it back to the lab to study it and risk messing with its properties by transporting it we brought the lab to it we loaded up an rv full of equipment and drove out there with a small team of eight people one of those people was my buddy felix let me pause here and tell you a little story about felix i didn't tell this to mary of course because it has nothing to do with aliens Felix and I have been tight since college. We loved each other like brothers, and we've been through a lot of shit together, you know? Anyway, one day about three weeks ago, I get a call from Felix. You'll never guess who came in for an appointment today, he said. Felix is a professional hypnotist. Good business in Taos, New Mexico. A lot of people go for that kind of stuff. Who? I asked. Robert Helms. No shit. What was he doing there? Well, I guess he's got a baby coming. A baby? With. Yep. So he's got a baby coming and he's vowed to quit smoking. He's tried the whole gamut the patch, the gum, vaping, the whole nine. No shit. Yeah, so he kind of gives this little laugh and says, guess I'll give this a shot. I tell him it's the first thing he should have tried. It's a proven... Hold on, hold on. Tell me that he apologized. Tell me that the first thing he did was give a tearful apology. Nope, said Felix. Didn't even recognize me. No shit, I said. No shit, said Felix. About two days after we got there, one of the members of our team, uh, Frank, his name was, wandered off with a shovel about 100 yards and just started digging. Like Robert, said Mary. Like Robert, I said. Eventually, Felix walked over to him and asked him what he was doing. What's it look like I'm doing? I'm looking for more fragments of that thing, Tom said, pointing back to the meteorite. Tom? I thought his name was Frank. Oh, right. Frank. Anyway, uh, we believed him at first. Meanwhile, the readings from the meteorite were off the charts. There was something very, very strange about it. But to this day, I'm not sure if the spores came in the meteorite, or if they were already here and the meteorite just activated them somehow. I went on to tell her that as the hole got bigger and bigger, the sense that something was wrong with Frank grew stronger and stronger. Finally, Felix confronted him once again, and this time Tom, I mean Frank, bashed his head in with a shovel and threw Felix in the bottom of the hole. My god... Said Mary. I'm so sorry. You were lucky, I said. I'm amazed that Robert was able to resist the terrible commands of the spores. Felix wasn't so lucky. About a week and a half ago, Felix called me up. It didn't work, he said. He's not digging anymore? No, he's still digging. But she's gone now, moved to a hotel or something. Hmm, I said, my mind already working away. Don't worry buddy, I'll think of something. We were a bunch of science nerds and were not prepared to deal with a homicidal maniac. We called it into headquarters and just watched in horror as Tut, as Frank kept digging and digging and digging. I felt my eyebrow starting to slip and pressed it back into place as subtly as I could. I went on to tell her about how a fleet of white SUVs rushed to the site, about thirty minutes after the call. Wait, said Mary. There was a white SUV at my house just as I was leaving after your messages. Then you got out just in time, I said, because Mary, these aren't the good guys. I told her how the guys in the white SUVs just stood there and watched Frank dig behind their dark sunglasses. I went up to one of them and said, what the hell are you guys doing? Why don't you stop him? The guy turned to me and said, buddy, we've been waiting for this. Now get back to work on that chunk of rock that fell from the sky. I stayed in that RV for a week and only left to take more measurements of the meteorite. It was still glowing bright red. Then, one day, it stopped glowing. When I got back to the RV, I looked out the window and saw that Frank had dug six holes. A big one in the center, said Mary and five smaller ones circling it. That's right, I said. And then... And then I saw something that I couldn't believe. Frank collapsed on the ground, and the dirt just started falling back into the hole. It was like the holes were filling themselves up. Mary gasped. Felix and I pulled up to the Helms' house in his white SUV. I already had my disguise on. Even if Robert hadn't recognized Felix, he was sure to recognize me. And then Felix's trick wouldn't work. It was probably safer for me to not come at all, but I just had to see my boy in action. We knocked, and Robert answered the door. Oh, Dr. Johnson, he said, when he saw Felix. I've been meaning to call you. Oh? said Felix. Don't tell me it's not working. Don't tell me you've started smoking again. No, uh, you're a miracle worker, said Robert, flashing a reassuring smile. Then the smile dropped. It's just, well, now I have another problem that maybe you can help with. You see, I've been digging. Not just digging, said Felix, but digging and digging and digging. When he said that, Robert's eyes glazed over. You are going to rent a small excavator, said Felix. Then you will fill in all of the holes that you've dug. You will return the excavator, come home, and go to sleep. When you wake up, you will not remember this visit you will not remember filling in the holes. On the bright side, you will no longer have the urge to dig. We left him standing there and headed back to the SUV. I saw something sticking out of the dirt, Mary, I said. Like Robert did, just before he disappeared. What was it? she asked breathlessly. At first, I couldn't tell, because it was several dozen yards away. I found a pair of binoculars in my field kit, and then I saw it. It was a hand, and now it was reaching out of the dirt. And then, my god. What? said Mary, eyes wide as dinner plates. What? Then. It kept coming and coming, and I saw horrible brown claws gleaming in the afternoon sun. And then there was an arm too, and it- it grabbed hold of Tom, I mean Frank, and started to drag Frank down into the dirt, into the hole. My god, said Mary. Robert. Tears were streaming down her face, and a look of sheer terror was plastered on her face. We watched through the window as Robert got up from his laptop, slid open the door, and went into his backyard. We crept through his house. Then he was bent over, examining the prop hand that I had picked up at the Halloween store, and we were there outside, right behind him. After that, the men with the white SUVs wouldn't let anybody near the holes. I'll tell you, it wasn't out of concern for our safety. Those men were protecting it. Letting it grow. But one night, I went on, I saw that the two men who had been assigned to guard the holes were both asleep. I was terrified, of course, but I snuck out of the RV because I knew that something had to be done. This thing had to be stopped, and nobody else was going to do it. I crept up to the holes and started scanning them with my x-ray equipment. I went from hole to hole, noting what I saw, and slowly, the whole picture came together in my mind. In four of the small holes, there was an enormous arm with a clawed hand attached. In the other of the smaller holes, there was a A monstrous head with six eye holes and long, sharp teeth. And what was in the center hole? Asked Mary, on the verge of pissing her pants. In the center hole, Mary, was the heart. I knew what I had to do. I picked up the shovel and started digging. One of the guards woke up, looked around, and saw me. I dug with all of my might, and as the first guard shook the second guard awake and began shouting at me, I struck something with my shovel. I uncovered a little more dirt, and I saw it. It was pure black. It was beating like mad. The arms were out of the holes now, all four of them, flailing wildly. I watched as one reached out and tore one of the guard's heads clean off his shoulders. And then, the head was up. I'm not ashamed to say I wet my trousers when I saw that head, Mary. Anybody would have. I saw the second guard run off screaming as I lifted the shovel high and plunged it with all of my might. It sunk easily into that black heart and caused an eruption of thick, foul black fluid. The head screamed, and then the whole thing began shriveling up. I paused for a beat, then said, Mary, you know what we have to do, don't you? Yes, she said. We have to kill the heart. Mary and I stood in the helm's backyard, breathing heavily, taking a break from shoveling. "'We're almost there,' I said. "'I remember it was about six feet down. "'Okay,' she said. "'I can do it. "'For Robert.' "'For Robert,' I said solemnly. "'She stuck her shovel into the hole and then cried out, "'I hit something!' "'She began clearing the dirt away rapidly, "'and then she started screaming.' Anybody would have. Thirty seconds later, I pushed her dead body on top of her husband's. So, why did I do it? Well, I could lie and say that it was revenge for Robert and Mary breaking my best friend's heart. You see, back in college, Felix had gone on a few dates with Mary and was head over heels in love with her. That's when Robert swept in and stole Mary away from my boy but I already got my revenge for that. One night about ten years ago, I waited in the parking lot at Robert's work and stabbed him seven times in the stomach. That's why he would have remembered my face. I wasn't caught for that. I never am. So why did I do it? I guess it was when I found out that Robert didn't even recognize Felix's face when he went in for that initial hypnosis session. That's pushed me over the edge. To Robert, Felix was nothing, never worthy of even the slightest consideration. But then why, after I pushed Mary's body into the hole, did I turn around and shoot Felix in the forehead? I could say that he was a liability. I've told you too much about him. You could have found him easily by googling hypnotist in Taos, I'm confident that I've tweaked enough of the details so that you'll never find me. But that doesn't explain why I divulged all of those details about him in the first place. I guess I couldn't help myself. I just love a good story. Don't you?